two artists walk into a bar. Now stop me if you've heard this one. Listen in as artists and creators talk over drinks about their work, life, and the creative journey. Thanks for tuning in to episode number four of Two Artists Walk Into a Bar. I'm your host artist, Carol McQuaid. Our guest artist today is French-born, North Vancouver-based artist, author, instructor, and innovator, Sandrine Pellassier. Our bar is Anatoly's in the popular Lower Lonsdale area of North Van. Good food, really fun atmosphere, and a great place to throw a party. You'll find links to these things, along with full show notes, on our website, twoartistswalkintoabar.com. If you like it and you want to hear more conversations with artists, be sure to subscribe, share with a friend, and if you love the show, head to the website where you can buy us our next round. Now let's head to Anatoly's and listen in as Sandrine and I talk about innovative ways to collaborate, the benefits of teaching classes online, and one of my favorite subjects, how it feels to fall in love with printmaking. Hang in for the end, as Sandrine is the first guest artist to supply a punchline follow-up to our show title, Two Artists Walk Into a Bar. Well done, Sandrine. Cheers. Sandrine, are you ready to roll? Yes. Okay, perfect. <laughs> so, Sandrine Pellissier, am I saying that right? Yes, that's yeah, good. Yeah. yeah, thank you for coming down to meet me. This is really fun for me because I have watched your work and seen the projects that you have done from afar mm. and uh, this is our well it's our first artist date so <laughs> oh, wow. well, thank you so much for inviting yeah. me so. tell us a little bit about your background and your work um, well I grew up in France and uh, we moved to Canada when I was in my early 30s and when I was growing up in France like the economy was really really bad and um, I was always interested in art, but the idea of uh, pursuing a career in art was totally uh, irrealistic at the time with the way the economy was. Mm -hmm. uh, so I did study uh, science. I went into biology, but I kept uh, painting and drawing for myself on the side. Mm -hmm. And um, that's when we moved to Canada. I stayed at home with my kids. I had three kids uh, in a row, basically. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I had more time uh, at home because I stopped working for a few years. And that's when I went back to art. And uh, I never stopped since then. So, oh, nice. Yeah. And how old are your kids now? They're all teenagers. So yeah. between uh, 16 and 19. Yeah, got some good <laughs> years in. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. And what has been the main focus of your art career? It's changing over time because actually when I started and I was staying, uh, staying at home uh, mom, because my focus all day long was on my kids uh, and they were there and so they were um, an obvious subject for me to paint. So I, for a few years I did, I, I don't know, they must have each like uh, 50 portraits of them as uh, babies until uh, five years old. <laughs> yeah. And are these covering the walls of your home or are they? No, it's nice to have one or two, but uh, yeah. after it's too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think I needed to do this too, because when you focus on something all day long, it's difficult to switch completely if you paint at night and uh, think about something different. Well, for me it was anyway. Mm -hmm. But then after a while, I started to be more interested in landscape and also patterns are a very big part of my work. I'm totally obsessed with patterns. <laughs> and how is that showing up for you now? What are you doing with patterns in your work? Well, basically, they show everywhere in pretty much 99% uh, of what I do. 
Um, I have patterns in my landscapes, in the figures, and uh, most of the figures. Even now that I'm starting to get more into lino prints, I have patterns in the lino, so yeah. they're everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. And you started painting in your home while your children mm-hmm. were young, finally getting back to your childhood interest yes. and dream. <laughs> and now you have a studio here in North Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Tell me about your studio and your work practice there. The first studio I rented was a kind of an artist community and we each rented a small studio. And this actually had a huge impact on my future as an artist because I met other artists and I'm not that social or good at networking. So like for me, it was an excellent way to meet other artists and uh, make collaborations uh, with them. So that's how the North Shore Art Call was born, actually, because I met Norman Vipond uh, at the studio and we worked together to start the idea of the North Shore Art Call. That is fantastic. And that's coming up right now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's the eighth year. And are you uh, still? No, so we did it for uh, three or four years and then it became so big and important that it was turning out like a full-time job for both of us mm-hmm. on a volunteer basis. So it was starting after a few years, we we were a bit overwhelmed by the amount of work it was becoming. So we asked the North Vancouver Arts Council to help us and uh, they took our baby and yeah. they took care of it. Yeah. And how does that feel? <laughs> it's great in a way because they, they are doing a great job. They kept the um, spirit of the event alive, which is to be inclusive and accessible. And uh, I think they are doing a great job. So Um, I'm happy to be just a participant now and to have time to paint. So I really enjoy it. Right. (laughs) Last year was the first time I made it to the crawl Mm -hmm. and I loved it. It was so great. Yeah. 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 Lots of my favorite artists are over on this side and Sherry Jones. She was, I just did a project in Sicily with her. Yeah, I read about that, like 13 films of the crawl. Joanne Hasty and yeah. Oh, fantastic. Okay, so now when the crawl comes to your studio, what kind of, what's that experience like? What's the... Like for me, it's awesome because I get to be a participant, enjoy the crawl and not worry about all the administrative sites. So it's it's really great. And I love that um, people get to see my working place Mm -hmm. and uh, a bit of behind the scenes, like... uh, of what's happening in the studio. And yeah. I also like sometimes to have a little hands-on activity. Yeah. Like what kind of activities? <laughs> Give me an example. Uh, I think one year I did, uh, I had some pebbles and I had people um, drawing patterns on the pebbles. And uh, this year I have this great template for a mini uh, eight book page from one sheet of paper mm-hmm. uh, that you fold. And so I am going to have this mini book activity. Oh, great. Great. (laughs) And do you find the people who are coming to the crawl, does it lead to sales? Are there buyers out there or is it more of a PR? I think, well, it's both. Like, uh, (laughs) and sometimes it takes time. Like, sometimes you might not make a sale on the day of the crawl, but people saw your work and they need to think about it or maybe they need to come back with their spurs or so sometimes it's not immediate but I found uh, that the call is a great event to make sales um, more than for example culture days which would be more about uh, collective art or hands-on activities to uh, um, but 
people who go to the course sometimes have the idea of maybe purchasing some original art. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's and yeah. it's grown into a, a big thriving event. Yeah. I've interviewed Esther Rosenberg before about the Eastside Culture Crawl yeah. and how it's grown over the years. So it'll be interesting to see how uh, how big this baby grows. That's yes. fun. What kind of other shows and activities you're taking part in? Uh, well, I also really like Culture Days, mm -hmm. so which, as I was saying, is different. It's not about selling art, but more about having people participate and uh, actively make art in your studio. So I also like this idea. And it's also nice sometimes to not have this idea of selling something all the time, just do it for free and for the community. So I like cul uh, Culture Days for this. And then, oh, with my live drawing group, so I um, co-organize a weekly live drawing group in my studio every Thursday, and we have an annual show of uh, live drawings and paintings in my studio every June, so mm. this is nice too. And then sometimes I um, put some submissions for group shows. And how many people would come out to a live drawing session? Uh, well, as much as I can fit comfortably, which is now about 18 people. I want to see your studio. <laughs> that all happens in your studio? Well, it's a bit intimate, I should say. Yes. When we're writing, <laughs> Life drawing tends to be initially, but <laughs> you mean elbow to elbow. Yeah, I mean, you can see what your neighbor is drawing, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, fun. 52 weeks a year, are you? No, we follow the school calendar, actually, because uh, most participants are also parents and they go on vacation. And is it strictly a life drawing session? or is there some teaching element to no, it? No, it's uh, non-instructional yeah. and it's always the same structure. Mm -hmm. So we start with short one minute, two minutes and then we build up time and at the end of the session it's 20-25 minutes would be the maximum. That's better for the models too because after that it's a bit uncomfortable. So a classic life drawing structure. Yeah. Perfect. But you do do some teaching. I do some teaching but uh, mostly online mm -hmm. because I found that was the most efficient way for me to uh, teach. Uh, I did try um, in the first year of having my new studio to schedule some classes, but uh, it's always a challenge to find a day and a time that works for everybody. And um, So I was finding it was taking me a lot of effort to organize something, and then maybe I would have four to six people in a class. And uh, I was thinking it's not a very efficient way to teach. Mm -hmm. And also everyone uh, works at a very different pace. So some people would go really fast, and some people really need more time. So the idea of teaching online came at this point because I was thinking if you work uh, in the comfort of your home, you can take as little or as uh, much time as you want. Mm -hmm. And then you can take a picture and um, there is a form on my class that you fill with uh, your comments and the picture of what you did. And then I can give you feedback. So I was thinking it's uh, way more. Um, and also I, I have um, students all over the place, like mm -hmm. uh, in Europe, in the States. It's a way to reach more people too. And for me, it's better because I can work on my classes and the feedback if I want at nine in the evening in pajamas at home. Like yeah. uh, It's so flexible. I like it. That is fantastic. And what has the response been? Do you have lots of people signing up? 
Yes, and uh, at the beginning, I was a bit worried because when you give feedback or you give an advice, you don't want to discourage people, but at the same time, you so you want to be supportive. I try always to be very supportive, but then at the same time, say what needs to be said. So, so it's a fine line. And at, at the beginning, I was a bit worried about the reaction of people when I would email them feedback. But most of the time, they tell me like, oh, this is great. I totally agree. So, yeah. so far, I never had anybody yeah. upset. Oh, they didn't tell me. Yeah. <laughs> and if they don't want to, no, <laughs> yeah, they're they, not going to show up. <laughs> they, they have a choice when they fill the form. I ask them, like, do you want me to send you feedback or not? So some people choose not to. And I totally um, understand that. Like, you need to be in the right frame of mind sometimes also to be able to hear good or bad critics. And uh, sometimes maybe you just want to show what you did and you're not ready to hear uh, critics. So right. that works too. Yeah. yeah. And what was your... Um, what was your background in learning? Did you, are you completely self-taught or did you do some training? Well, I did study biology. So um, apart from a bit of drawing uh, <laughs> of what you see on the microscope. Right. <laughs> there there weren't <laughs> too much. <laughs> can illustrate an amoeba for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the onion cell. Or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, in a way, it's still a bit in what I do sometimes. But um, mm -hmm. uh, so, but when I came to Canada, I took some classes, mostly drawing classes. Um, I went to the library extensively, especially when I was doing watercolor. Like I was taking, uh, reading old books on watercolor. Um, and I mean, nowadays it's so easy. I mean, you go on YouTube or, and you can see so many great um, mm -hmm. videos. And, uh, so, but I took a few classes, but mostly I'm self-taught. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and with your classes, is that a platform you want to grow larger? Is, how much of your focus are you putting there compared to making art, compared to running life drawing classes and yeah sessions. I, I like the balance i have now so maybe i work one hour a day sometimes two hours max on my classes mm -hmm. and i like it that way i don't want it to grow too much so it would take too much of my time mm -hmm. so that's why i'm advertising it but i'm not pushing it too much because i like the balance i have now so yeah, yeah. and you have another big project yeah. and <laughs> emphasis on the word big yeah. <laughs> uh, that you're working on mm -hmm. tell us about your big picture so the big picture art project actually um, was born because of the culture day yearly event and for culture days i um, started working in collaboration with uh, sophie babianu she's uh, my friend here in north vancouver she's also french um, and she's an art therapist. Uh, and so together we did, I think for three or four years, organize an activity in my studio. So one year we did a big uh, collaborative artwork on a tree cooking. Uh, but the lines of the tree um, would be sentences that people were writing. Uh, and it was a piece of uh, wisdom. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, so we did that in the studio and we also had people participating online from uh, many different countries in different languages. So, and because they were online, we had to write for them. So we had to try to write a bit of uh, Farsi, Chinese and oh, <laughs> everything wow. that was tough. <laughs> Um, so this project was great and we ended up with a big forfeit by forfeit uh, tree cookie slice that you can read almost like a book uh, mm -hmm. with the concentric circles, rings. Mm -hmm. One year we did a no phone selfie, which is people drawing a self-portrait from a mirror with a printing process. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm trying to remember. So... And we did all of this project and we were thinking it's great, like we like the idea of collaborating with the public at large and not necessarily uh, people that would define themselves as artists, mm -hmm. uh, but have them collaborate to do something big. So, And then we were thinking, but we are limiting ourselves to this Culture Day event. Why don't we try to make something bigger? that will last longer in time and that will involve more people. Mm -hmm. So that's how it came to be a huge <laughs> project. <Yeah. laughs> and give us the mechanics of the project. How does it work? So the idea was to build a mosaic, but to build it uh, digitally from a website so that if the mosaic is big, you can zoom in and zoom out from, uh, to see um, all the squares. And uh, so we went to Princess Park, which is a park I really like here in North Vancouver, and we did the panoramic pictures of the trees. And we wanted also the project really to be rooted in uh, North Vancouver and where we live, but also to be uh, connecting all the rest of the world with this place that we live in. So the North Vancouver part is the picture, but then people from everywhere all over the world can submit a drawing. And this drawing is automatically processed on the website so that we apply some filters that makes it fit the square in the mosaic where it's going to be embedded. Mm -hmm. um, so the drawing that people submit is usually black and white, or there could be a few colors, but not that much. But then it ends up being the color of the square it is on the um, pixelated right. uh, panoramic picture. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'm clear, but yes. I, I'm getting it. <laughs> so we'll find out if our listeners are yeah. getting it. <laughs> yeah, maybe you have to go on the website to see because it's uh, visual. But this picture is uh, zoomable. So it's almost like a Google map. You can zoom in and mm -hmm. zoom out. So. We will have the website in our show notes. But just in mm. case somebody's listening and has their hands on a keyboard, what is the website to take a look at that? So the website is uh, thebigpictureartproject.com. Okay. And so far, where are the artists from? Are, are they mostly North Van based or are you getting... Yes, that was the big surprise for me. I was expecting uh, at least more Canadian or people from the States, but uh, it's literally from uh, everywhere in the world. Like um, I'm trying to remember the last column, we had Nigeria, Vietnam... Um, Brazil, like everywhere. And are these people all finding you through social media or how are you getting this? That's fantastic. Yeah, like, that's I, I, exciting. I, that's the nice thing about social media, I think, is that the world is becoming smaller in a way. So 
Yeah, I think from Facebook and Instagram and uh, word of mouth also, because sometimes when someone participates, they share it with their friends and it's free to participate. Wow, that is just wild. <laughs> so I see some interesting things coming up repeatedly in your work and in your projects. One of the things is trees seem to yes. be very prominent in your work, but also this awesome reaching out to community, drawing people together and creating a creative interaction mm -hmm. and great use of technology and social media. Yes. Would you say that summarizes what you're working right now? Well, I think that is very true. And it's a paradox in a way because I'm very, I'm an introvert. I'm a bit shy and uh, I'm not that social. But I think for, and also I think when you're an artist, sometimes you need to work in isolation mm -hmm. uh, if you need to focus on your work. And uh, so for, I like to work um, by myself in the studio. And um, but I also need to balance this uh, by reaching out to the community. And technology and social media makes it easier for people like me yeah, <laughs> to yeah. do so. so. Yeah, that is beautiful. Yeah. And, you're, and you're doing it in a yeah. very beautiful way. Yeah, thank so, you. Yeah, it's nice <laughs> yeah. to see. So your studio now, is it still a shared space with multiple artists? And No, so since then I moved two times and I took my last studio because I needed the space for the live drawing, mm -hmm. uh, basically. So it's quite big. I don't use all the space when I'm by myself, but uh, I, I need it for the live drawing classes. So. Yeah. And you started all this as you were starting a family. Are your kids involved in what you're doing? Do they take part in these projects? So yes, so, uh, so far two of my kids have been participating to the Big Picture Art Project. Mm -hmm. um, my youngest daughter comes to me uh, with me um, to some of the live drawing classes, mm -hmm. which is great. Uh, and they all like to draw, and I might not be subjective, but uh, I found they all are excellent artists. Yeah. <laughs> Proud mama, that's a yeah. good thing. <laughs> and I'm sure, I'm sure talent finds its way through the uh, through genetics. And I was thinking about that because for many years, since they were able to draw, every time we would go to a restaurant or some place, I would bring some paper and crayons and like all the time I had this in my bag. So, <laughs> and uh, it's funny because now they're teenagers, but they still do it. Like uh, they bring their own notebook and uh, pencil and they draw at the restaurant. Oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so when you look back on going to school and studying sciences and then making this shift, how do you feel about the life choices you've made to get you to this point? I'm not sure I, I had the choice, but I think that when I stayed at home with my kids and started doing more art, maybe I wasn't ready before that to go full bloom into an art career. Maybe I needed some time to be able to do that. And I think the timing was good for me. I also like that I tried different things before. And you always learn something uh, from, even if it's in a different field. Or, uh. But what happened is when I stopped working and I was doing what I really like to do, it was difficult to come back to a job that I was doing more for the salary and not as a passion. So... Mm -hmm. It was difficult to go back after drawing and painting so much. I realized that, okay, this is what I want to do. And you've explored these different platforms. 
Has it created the kind of revenue that you would have hoped? Is it something that, you know, we tend to look at this model of starving artists no. and thriving artists. Like, uh, has it fulfilled your your expectations in that way? I looked for ways to make my income more regular because mm -hmm. I found out that if I was only relying on sales of art, mm -hmm. I might have a very good month and then nothing happens for a few months and it was too unpredictable as a revenue stream. Mm -hmm. So since the beginning, I looked for ways to have other sources of income, ideally passive or more or less passive income, right. and to diversify all those uh, revenue sources. So one example would be to have a, an account with some licensing company so they can license your art. And have you done that? So yeah, I've done that. Uh, I'm intrigued by this. I've been hearing a lot about it and yeah. have, have friends who have done it. And how has it worked for you? I think it's great because you make a painting or a drawing, you license it, and then it's passive income in the way of you have nothing else to do and uh, every quarter you get some revenue from uh, their sales. So mm -hmm. I do the same thing with some uh, online uh, print-on-demand websites oh, okay. like Fine Art America or Redbubble. Mm -hmm. um, the online classes is another way of have a different stream of revenue. So I, I try to multiply mm -hmm. uh, those um, revenue streams so it makes my monthly income a bit less of a big waves and more of a calmer right. sea yeah <laughs> <laughs> we like calm seas yeah. <laughs> right not so calm that we're sitting in a cubicle getting a paycheck twice a month no <laughs> yeah not that there's anything wrong with that but uh, to be honest I'm uh, lucky that in my family, if I have a bad month or if I don't get a huge revenue, we are not going to be get in trouble. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure I could make the same choices if I was a single mom, for example. So right. I'm totally uh, aware of that but I, and I feel lucky in that way. So. I was listening to uh, a podcast the other day. Uh, sex, death, and money. I don't yeah, know if you yeah, was, yeah. Know yeah, and I can't remember who she was interviewing, but the the title was basically "Follow Your Dream, but Have a Sponsor." Yes, <laughs> <laughs> sound advice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you're loving what you're doing. Oh yes, yeah. And what's next for you? Uh, well, right now I'm very involved in the big picture art project. So far, it's only online but I'm looking for a gallery or a museum and to have it exhibited as an interactive installation mm -hmm. so uh, I'm in the process of making some submissions and uh, trying to get uh, that becoming a reality that right. would be awesome so it would be digitally projected onto a wall there are many things we could do. We could also print some of the um, most interesting submissions so far and have them as prints on a wall. Mm -hmm. uh, and the idea was to have a few activities, on-zone activities, so people could draw in the gallery mm -hmm. and then scan their drawing mm -hmm. on site and they uh, could see it real time being embedded in the big picture. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. I went to an exhibition last year at the Museum of Anthropology at the University of British Columbia, and they did something where they had the Japanese characters. Is it kanji? Um, kanji? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And it would float down, and as you touched it, 
it would burst into the object that it was describing. Oh, yeah. yes. As you're saying this, yes. I'm seeing this thing where you can touch it and all of a sudden yes. the piece will, yeah. will become large. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see where it does end up. Do you have an idea? Do you have some targets in mind? Uh, yes, but I'm not going to say anything because <laughs> I don't want to jinx it. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to send a little mental thought out there right now that, yes, make this happen so we can find out and see it. <laughs> Yay. Is there anything else you're working on that you want to share with us while we are uh, so recently I've um, been discovering um, linocut and lino printing oh, and my uh, favorite. Yay. <laughs> it's been love at first sight like yeah. That. yeah yeah and how did you discover it um, I'm trying to, maybe it was on Instagram or, um, and also I discovered that some uh, pieces of art that I really liked were prints and I've never uh, gave it more thought mm -hmm. before that so of course there is the Great Wave uh, by yes. uh, Okazai mm -hmm. but also some of um, Oh, Henri de Toulouse-Lautrec. Oh, I love yeah. his work. Love, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. for example, I always loved all of his... Uh, they were originally posters, most of them, like, mm -hmm. to advertise for shows. And I always loved them, like, the flat colors. And and weirdly, it's just recently that I realized that they were prints. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah. I went and yeah. saw them in Montmartre a few mm -hmm. years ago, mm -hmm. and I love... Yeah, yeah, he's one of my heroes. And are you working with a press? No, I, I'm dreaming about uh, yeah. <laughs> owning a press. <laughs> well, I have a really small press, but basically you can print the size of a postcard or mm -hmm. not much more. So right now I'm doing it by hand, and I think I'm getting to like it more and more, the, the idea of doing it by hand. Mm -hmm. It is very physical. I mean, like your arm is hurting after you. Yeah, <laughs> and they are all completely completely unique when you're done. Yeah, and I will say maybe in the future if I can afford it, I uh, will try to have a press. But for now, I'm, uh, I like printing by hand. I have a press in my studio, but some of my pieces are eight feet long and yeah. they do not fit through a press. And one human can't do it so my husband has accidentally become a really good yes. second <laughs> pair of hands in the uh, in the lino cut makings i find that when artists see lino cut if they've done it they have a very emotional response there's something about cutting into that material mm -hmm. that is just sets the brain on fire it yeah for me it's like a very complete art form because I was starting to look into sculpture just uh, out of curiosity and there's a bit of a sculpture in it like mm -hmm. the carving part mm -hmm. and then if I use my life drawing there's a bit of drawing in it mm -hmm. and then there's a bit of painting with the ink basically everything I like to do is condense into this one art form yeah <laughs> and there is that moment when you've done all of this work all of this drawing all of this carving inking and you've still not seen a yes. thing and when I teach lino cut classes I love to catch a picture of somebody when they're pulling their first yes. print and they're peeking <laughs> over the top and they're like oh there's yeah. my baby <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and I know this moment is always magical like mm -hmm. uh, the reveal mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah the always reveal, a surprise exactly. yeah. well I look forward to seeing some of your lino oh. cuts and I'm super excited to watch the big picture oh, as it you. develops <laughs> and this idea the, of the classes that you're doing I think is fantastic and I mm. think that's a great idea 
And I just really thank you for sharing it with the artists who are listening because you're right, pulling together a group of people, mm -hmm. trying to make something happen in time and space can be a real challenge, but you've made a success out of reaching out to people online. So a big congrats to you. Thank you. Yay. Now the name of the show is Two Artists Walk Into a Bar. I do not have a punchline for that, <laughs> so <laughs> if you have one, I'd like to hear it. Um, or if you have a joke or a funny story from mm -hmm. your art life, uh, I'd love it if you would share that with us. Uh, so I, but I'm not sure you will want to keep this as a punchline, but I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> so far, everyone's chickened out on my challenge. <laughs> uh, two artists walk into a bar, but... They can't stay for that long because they're drawing a crowd. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Well, you're a good Sandine, public. <laughs> thank you. That is so awesome. <laughs> oh, thanks thank for talking you. with me, Yeah, And good luck with your projects. We'll love watching them come together. Thanks, Carol. been listening to Two Artists Walk Into a Bar. I'm your host artist, Carol McQuaid. For full show notes and all the links, head to twoartistswalkintoabar.com. If you liked the episode, remember to subscribe, sign up for updates, and leave us a review. And if you loved the episode, head to twoartistswalkintoabar.com and buy us our next round. Cheers! <laughs>